You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for uh, what has been a great week. And um, just so grateful for all of those who have had a heart to learn more about what divorce care is and the possibility of that being a ministry in their church or even just pointing people to our Boyne City Seventh-day Adventist Church group um, that can help people connect uh, remotely. So uh, thank you for Divorce Care, divorcecare.org, the blessing that that is. And um, we just pray that, uh, Lord, you'll continue to use this as a tool to help people who are separated and divorced. So we love you and look forward to even the time we have today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I told you I would show you this document that... Um, Certainly not as good. Hello. How are you today? Excellent. Welcome. Welcome. If you would, this is just a sign up. One of those would one of these would be for Gail Mitchiff, just in case you'd like an email. And then the second one is just for me to follow up after camp meeting. Okay. Excellent. So anyone need pen or paper in case you want to take notes? It's just a it's not a lot, but it'll just be some of the leadership training, whatnot of um, Yes, I'll, I'll leave a piece for you just in case you'd like one. There you go. Fantastic. Okay. <coughs> All right. Would you like one as well? You're okay. Oh, I'm good. Okay, Thank perfect. You. You're welcome. Okay. So this is just in these these concepts are just going to be in general, um, you know, so, some specifics that are helpful if one was ever to lead divorce care, and so. How do we be an effective leader? Well, there's broad category, and even like what should the leadership team look like if we ever were to do divorce care in our church? So there's kind of broad categories. One could say, wow, there's administrative work that needs to be done. So lining up where you're going to meet, you know, like hopefully in your church, if you would have that ability, that'd be great. Registration. So now registration is online at the divorcecare.org. Um, however, if people, if it's a large church and there's many people coming in, well, then maybe there it would be helpful to have a check-in registration as people arrive, a welcome. Um, yeah, so someone who looks after the materials, that's if a church decides we want to order 20 books and um, there's that strategy, well, then you'd want to have someone who's going to look after those materials, receive payment if it's going to be a pay for the book. If it's Currently, what our church does is we allow, like I said, we allow people to pay for it when they register, so then we're not having to deal with the materials anymore. The, the books are getting sent right to them when they register online, okay? And then for those that are listening for the first time, what Divorce Care, care is is a part of Church Initiative, which is a, it's really a, a Christian ministry, non-denominational, whose goal is to equip Christian churches to do things like walk with people who are separated and divorced, divorce care. There's a divorce care for kids, and there's even a grief share to walk with people who have lost a loved one. Um, with our Adventists, truths that we know, really there's no conflict whatsoever in those first two. Grief share, I'd want you to know that, yeah, they're writing on the perspective of the soul's already immortal, and when they die, you go immediately to heaven. So just know if you ever do refer people to that uh, resource, be aware of that. I love to still talk about it and say, use this tool. And but there, you know, I'd love to talk to you about 
but there may be some other truths about what happens when we die. And so for me, it's a, it's a window to be able to talk about um, state of the dead and the opportunity that we have. So that's my personal opinion. So Church Initiative, again, is the, is the organization behind all this. Okay, so after that rabbit trail, the other thing that we need to be effective leaders is teachers. Uh, facilitators really probably is the better word. Um, there's online training videos now, and I'll, I, I'll show you some more of that when we're done with this little um, you know, presentation on leader training. But there's a leader workbook. They totally equip you how you would do this. And then um, what does a group leader have to do? Well, they facilitate sharing and discussion because you're looking at 30 minutes of a video, professional pastors, counselors, the opportunity to debrief what you saw, and then we'll, we'll get a chance to do some of that even today and watching a video and get a, getting a taste of what it's like. And, um, and then there's discussion on, they have a workbook that they have and then they literally would have done the work in between sessions. When they come each week, they have the opportunity to share <coughs> what they actually would have learned or maybe they had questions as they read scripture and as they answered questions in the workbook, okay? So just some real quick notes. A group leader is not a teacher a counselor and not a first-time group member. Um, again, my background is uh, I went through it when I was separated. I went through it, divorce care, the 13-week course when I was um, legally divorced. And then um, two years later after that, just took time to heal. And then God really laid it on my heart to actually leave. And so now I've been leading for 12 years now, multiple groups a year. So it's been an absolute honor and privilege but you can even be a leader if you have a heart and compassion to walk with people. You do not have to be divorced. So it's not like a um, you know, prerequisite, prerequisite. Well, I would say if you're really good at listening and asking questions, then over time you would learn of the pain. You would learn of, as they describe that to you, if you're a good listener, you could, again, you, you, you could do it with a compassionate heart. However, I think it is very advantageous if you have been divorced or separated. To me, it yeah. comes along that same line. Yeah. Christ suffered as we did. He understands what we went through. He yes. Very true. JR, it's very true. Somebody that hasn't gotten divorced, I don't know how they can relate. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. But I mean, as far as, as far as just being able to facilitate the materials, people on the videos relate, right? So there's other people, or if there was a larger leadership team, maybe someone is separated or divorced in their past, but someone else isn't, it's still, it still doesn't preclude or, or, or prevent someone from being a leader is what I would say. So what do they need to be then? Well, they need to be a group leader is burdened for people who are hurting and is warm, sensitive, caring, just some of the characteristics that would go behind someone. Okay. Here's a few more of the group leader characteristics. Follower of Jesus, spiritually mature, helpful to have experienced divorce, and I'll go kind of quickly. I can. I have your email address. I can email this to you. And then those that are going to be listening to this audio later on, my email is darylmichael at gmail.com. So D-A-R-Y-L-M-I-C-H-A-E-L at gmail.com. And, um, and if for some reason you didn't catch that, if you go to divorcecare.org and you type in the zip code 49712, that's the Boyne City uh, zip code, right there and then you can message the group contact and I would be able to, you know, get your message saying, hey, please send to me, um, you know, the, uh, this document, okay? 
but again, going back to the document, group leader characteristics, it's helpful to have experienced divorce like we just talked about. And that, those verses, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, may the God of all comfort, who comforts you in whatever difficulty you go through, right, may he use you to comfort others in the same way that God comforted you. And so this is applying, I'm applying it to divorce care, but friends, it's no different. If, you, if you've gone through a house fire and you've lost everything, it's unreal how God can use you to walk with others who go through a house fire, right? If you've gone through cancer, I mean, fill in the blank. It's powerful. Our greatest area of pain in our life, if we're willing, God can use that to be your great, one of your greatest areas of ministry. So it's just something that I praise God for now. I wouldn't have praised God for it. I don't think God did it to me, by the way. But what I'm saying is I wasn't praising God when I was separated. Thank you so much that I'm separated. Or a newly divorced, thank you, God, that I'm divorced. You know, like, no, I was grieving, I was hurting. But now I'm able to say, praise God, you're a redeemer. Thank you, God, that you're a restorer. And now you're using that experience to actually bless others as they go through a very, very painful time in their lives. Okay? So it's definitely important that one has participated through divorce care or a comparable group. Um, I, anytime I have a leader, it, oh, it definitely, for me, is... Going through divorce care once is essential for me, personally. And um, again, you even heard that I went through it twice when I was separated and then again when I was divorced. And so it's just really helpful to go through it yourself and then before you get into the place of leading. Another thing is to be called to ministry to separate and divorce people. So again, that doesn't mean you have to be divorced or separated, but you're, you're called to walk with others who are separated or divorced. And the last item there is accountable. Subject to a church, you know, these are kind of like, as they say, no-brainers, but um, we're not dating participants. There's no dating within the group. So, subject to the authority of the church. Um, these are some key principles. Here's some characteristics of successful groups. Consistency meets regularly. That just means, you know, ours is Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8 o'clock for 13 weeks. Um, Probably wouldn't be helpful if well, we're Wednesday night this week and next week we're Monday night and the following week we're Thursday night. So the whole consistency thing is important that you're meeting uh, weekly for 13 weeks. We do it two times a year and it says 13 weeks, but just to warn you, if you do register for this next Boyne City group that starts September 7, it's actually 15 weeks because there's a Wednesday night we don't meet because it's Thanksgiving Eve and then there's a one night surviving the holidays so that obviously those two things make it look like it's 15 weeks but divorce care itself on the board right there those are your 13 topics the 13 videos and you can see those at divorcecare.org um, if you're listening okay um, a warm caring environment that's a successful group healed alumni um, i just put Word of mouth is the single most successful factor in the growth of divorce care. Advertising is important. Online, flyers, these things are very important. Letting other churches in your area know, hey, we actually host divorce care. If you know anyone, point them to the website. But guaranteed, when I ask people, hey, uh, thank you so much for coming. How did you learn about divorce care? By far the number one reason is my friend, here's my friend or my family member that went through it and they told me I needed to check this out. So 
People can search for a divorce recovery online and get to the divorce care website. All of that happens as well, but I'm just saying the, the primary factor is people um, inviting others in, which isn't that probably no different than church? I mean, really, it's that relationship that is the key to bringing most people into our churches. Publicity, I just mentioned flyers, and then obviously prayer. Um, bathing all of this in prayer Especially if you're going to go to your church leadership and ask them to consider this as a ministry. Really important that you pray about it as a, as a church leadership. Um, would, would this be um, something that our church would like to have be one of its ministries, right? So that would be something that would be really important to the entire board to pray about and to consider. Um, I can encourage you, though, that more and more pastors in the Seventh-day Adventist Church are trying to have felt needs ministries happen in their churches. So felt needs ministries is just a term that some people call that. So things like, wow, these people are struggling with their finances. Maybe we'll do a financial peace university or some sort of budgeting class. Or these people are struggling with divorce. Helpful to have divorce care. Or these people are struggling with coming out of um, alcoholism. Well, let's use the Adventist uh, you know, journey to wholeness materials. That There's more and more, let's try to meet people where they're at, in addition to public evangelism and you know, tracks and one-on-one evangelism, all of these things. So I'm thankful there's more ministries that are happening, which, I want, which I'm encouraged by. So ideally, a group size, characteristics of healthy groups, three to 12, if more than 12, it's kind of important to have more than one leader so you can divide up into smaller groups for the discussion part. No one has to speak, but you, at least if you go beyond 12 and there's some that really do want to share, um, they don't get the chance to when you go beyond 12. So I've found somewhere between 3 and 12 is the, is the ideal group size. But please, don't, don't tell people they can't come. <laughs> if it goes beyond 12, make sure that's more reason why, hey, we need some more people from our church to, to actually help me lead. Um, that's what I would say. Um, what the, the church that I went to, just to give you a background, cast a vision. Um, it was uh, it was a Sunday keeping church, and because um, divorce care, the part the church that I was a part of this was before I was Adventist. They had a course for if your divorce was finalized, you can come to it. But if it wasn't yet finalized, you weren't. Um, able to come. So then I sought one, well, how about people who are separated and found that it existed. But this church, it was a larger church, so don't be discouraged in that sense. But because it was such a large church, they had a ministry night. And at that ministry night, they would start with people coming together for a little bit of worship and song, uh, prayer, um, maybe 10, 15 minutes, I think. Then they'd have a meal together. And then they would break away Divorce care in this room, divorce care for kids in that room, Financial Peace University in this room. They had multiple spaces for small groups. That was just kind of their outreach night, if you will. Um, and in-reach, too. I mean, anyone in their church that, w- that wanted to be involved in those could be as well. But I thought that was really fascinating. And so that, that divorce care group I was a part of was... Well, I tell you that story because it was well... It was bigger than 12 people. I, I remember it being... 25 people at least most nights yeah and there were four part there were four facilitators so we would break up into small groups of somewhere around four four to six depending on the night so 
really, really helpful. After watching the video together, we would break up into the discussion times. Okay, so you preserve con uh, continuity. That's important. Remain open. In other words, at any given time, newcomers can join divorce care. Um, that's what divorce care recommends. I recommend that. Um, some groups say, no, we want you to start at the beginning, but I really want to encourage you to consider at any time because first of all, every lesson is self-contained. And second of all, if you tell them they need to wait and your next group doesn't start until four months from now, it can be really difficult for them to be excited to get involved the next time. So you want to you want to say yes, please. You're welcome right where you're at. It's a triage, you know. It's a it's like you're in the ER, emotional ER. So come. We we don't want to set an appointment four months from now. So there you go. And then um, there's a delicate balance between talking about the content on the video, discussing after you've watched, and then there are, there are times where you're going to have people who are like, I just need to ask this question about this, and it might not have been on the divorce video that you watched, the divorce care video that night. Really important, I think, to leave time for that. And again, in this little snippet of time we've had at camp meeting, um, it's only been an hour per session, so it's really not a full taste. But when you have an hour and a half, there's plenty of time for, hey, I'm going through this right now. Um, what do you think? Right? So there's, a, a, there's always room for something like that. So just be aware. Your, your leader training booklet, though, has way more questions you could ask during the debriefing time than you would ever have time for. So just know that as a leader, you're fully equipped. Um, you don't have to feel like, oh, what would I do? No, they, they do a great job of training you of different questions you could ask, follow-up questions, etc. And the group time, some churches do 120 minutes. Um, that could be even greater. We do 90 minutes for the sake of we don't offer child care at ours. So we want to try to honor... Um, you know, some are traveling 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you never know. So if we go 90 minutes to it's already, they're now going to be over a two-hour experience for the individual. If we go 120 minutes, you take transportation into account, it's, it's well over two hours, right? So trying to think of those that have hired babysitters or whatnot, that, that's how we're doing it currently. But that could be another way to grow the ministry in your church is offered child care because it's a huge it's a huge blessing for participants, okay? Group goals, three keys to success. Discussion, that's one of those things. Encourage sharing personally, questioning the material, um, the on my own, on your own pages or what's in the workbook. We encourage folks to do those. Um, apply key concepts from the videos to one's life. That's one thing we'd love to challenge the participants. And then finally, share. We do give everyone an opportunity to share. There's no have-tos. We've talked about this before for those of you that have been here all week. So um, some people are just going to want to be there and listen. And we're not forcing them to say anything. But almost always, even the ones that in the beginning didn't want to say anything, come to that place of opening up and being willing to share. And so, um, But you want to give them that freedom to, on their own timing, in their own timing, share, okay? All right. And... Last little bits here. Successful group leaders are good listeners, active listening. They're adept at limiting. This is a tricky one. I want to be honest about that, but they're adept at limiting those who talk too much. So uh, what, what I mean by that is there may be someone who 
they just start telling you something and it might go, go for three, five, eight minutes, you know? And so there's skills, uh, they're hard, but there's skills of, for example, you wait until they take a breath and say, you know, thank you for sharing that. Um, appreciate you sharing that insight. Who else would like to share? So you, you got to redirect. I totally appreciate what you just shared. Um, maybe we'll get a chance to hear more after the group, but, but I want to be able to give room for someone else to share. Or can you hold that thought? Because maybe they shared and they shared again and you ask the next question and they're about to share again. Oh, hold that thought. I want to see if we can hear from someone who hasn't shared yet tonight. So you do it gently, but you really have to lead because otherwise there are people who they don't think about that. They don't think about that. Prayer request. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get going. Okay, you got 30 yeah. seconds to finish it. Yes. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, JR was just mentioning that uh, that even can happen in prayer request time. So sometimes, I don't mean one-on-one, so my, my comment up here on the, on the screen is sometimes you need to talk one-on-one with them for enabling others to share who are less likely to do so. I don't mean stop the group and go to them one-on-one in front of everybody. I mean, you've done your part. Give them a call in between right? In between sessions. Hey, I'm so glad that you're participating. You are so good at that, but hey, you're, can I just ask you to do this? Like, I struggle. I have to be careful in how much I share. I got to really think about it in order to help others. Would you join me in doing that? You know, and that's painful. Some people might take offense to that, but if you do it well, um, you might be the first person their entire life that has ever said that to them, right? So it's worth it to help them not maybe experience rejection in other groups too. So again, successful group leaders are warm, comfortable. They're accepting you are not alone in what you're going through. You totally feel that from watching the videos. Um, Caring, sensitive, which fosters trust and respect. And then modeling principles taught in the divorce care materials. Any questions about any of that? It's a lot. It was fast, but again, I can send that to you. Um, let's go back here. Okay. Any questions from what you heard so far? All right. So we can do, I'm going to let you speak into um, what, what the rest of our time. We've got about a half an hour left. So we could watch one of the full videos so you get a taste of what the divorce care video looks like. We could watch a little bit more of the online leader videos. Those are short videos. Um, that's another option as well. But just know that if you ever would decide to have your church be a host for Divorce Care, you get access to all those videos, Divorce Care and leader training videos. Yeah, so would it be helpful? Maybe I'll even go to someone who was here for the first time. Which would be more helpful for you if you're willing to be open and honest? To watch an actual Divorce Care video? Would that be helpful? Okay. Let's do that then. And what some have gone to both seminars, so we've watched some of these already. So what I'm going to say then is we're going to choose from, let's see here, we're going to choose from uh, either fears and anxiety, family and friends, how it impacts family and friends, the change of relationships, financial and legal issues, or brighter days. Those, those are four that have not been watched yet. So. Fears and anxiety. What's that? I thought number one was on that list too yesterday. No, we watched that one in the in the actual first. We watched that one first in the 215 seminar. Yes, so that one was yesterday, but then we watched it. So either 
Fears and anxiety, family and friends, financial and legal issues, or brighter days. So kind of where do we go from here? So I'll just have you raise your hand and then we'll, and then we'll go with it. We'll, we'll, we'll see which one has the, the greater tallies. So only vote once. So if you would like fears and anxiety, or do you have a question? Oh, oh you're, already, you're already voting. Okay, very good. You put it up before I, before I said it out loud, so I'm like, okay, good. Were you? Oh, Sharon says six as well. So, okay, how about family and friends? Ooh, good. I love it. I love it. Okay, so well, anyway, does anyone have a coin so we can flip? If not, I'll find something to flip. How about this? If it lands on the green side, fears and anxiety. If it lands on the black side, then it'll be um, family and friends. So if it lands on the green side, fears and anxiety. So it landed on the black side. So that means it's family and friends. Okay? All right, here we go. Thank you for uh, having some fun with that. They're all good. I mean, you'll see. I mean, you're going to... Some of you have already seen, but I just know that there's... It's part of what I love about this is how many voices speak into these videos and how helpful they are. Okay, so here we go. Family and friends, number seven. Sadly, packing boxes and moving vans are all too often a part of the divorce experience. You're uprooted from the family home. You may become physically separated from your children. Your move will take you away from neighbors and may impact how you interact with family members and friends. In so many ways, divorce changes your relationships. Relationships with your former spouse, your in-laws, and perhaps even with some friends no longer operate by those same comfortable rules that they had before. The struggles are especially challenging for children. Denise, I know that firsthand. I remember how painful it was when our daughter, who was seven, learned that we were selling the family home. She was living with her mother in an apartment at the time but she still considered that house as her home. So I took her to the town home that I was moving to to give her a tour. I wanted her to see that she would still have a room and I thought that that would help soften the blow. But right in the middle of that tour, she ran out of the house and I found her sobbing on the front stoop. And she says, why can't you and mom just get back together again so that we can move home. Today, we will look at the many relationship changes and challenges that come with separation and divorce. Welcome to Divorce Care. One of the biggest tasks of going through a divorce is emotionally detaching yourself from this person. It wasn't that I didn't appreciate what friends and family were saying when they said, you have to accept this. You have to begin the new norm. Oh, despise that phrase, the new norm. And I couldn't accept it. Decoupling is a, is a term we use to refer to the process of coming apart. You can be surprised how long it takes you to really emotionally detach. I suggest 
you start with what you can manage. I usually get up in the morning and I make two cups of coffee. First thing I gotta start doing is make one cup of coffee. You now have to seek out maybe different activities. And one of my activities was line dancing um, that I sought out that was very wonderful. It was a way to have fun, but not have to have a partner. You have to act divorced. Now this is harder to do if you were not the one who wanted the divorce because every fiber in you wants to hold on to them. I still love her. I hope she comes back. But I can't live my life trying to make her change, trying to prove myself to her. I've got to go on being the best me that I can be. I remember when my dad and my mom got divorced. My mom did a lot of parental alienation. She told us horrible things about our dad. She told us horrible things that he did wrong. And, and my mom was really the, the abuser and did a lot of horrible things. And my dad never disparaged her. And I have to tell you, I always respected him for that. It's really important for the family to communicate what life will look like in each home and to make sure there's as much consistency as possible. That's picking up the phone and saying, I realize we have a little bit different rules around a couple of things. I was wondering if we could talk through that. If you can negotiate that, do it because it does create consistency for your children and that's ideal. I try to keep as much as the same when they go to a mother's house to, to my house. I keep clothes in my house, keep toys and games that they like to play in my house, the same as the mother, uh, so they can feel comfortable at either place. If there is a bedtime routine, we want to make sure that that bedtime routine is done at both the mom's house and dad's house. If there's homework time that needs to happen, it's really good to keep that schedule the same at both households so that children and adolescents know what to expect. The mother keeps them doing uh, chores. I, they do chores at my home. So I tell you, you do the same chores that you do at your mother's house you can do here. Just make sure it keeps a routine. Unfortunately, your ex-spouse might not be willing to make changes. Ron Deal offers a suggestion for how to handle this situation. If on the other hand, you're not able to navigate that terrain, then feel free to just make your decisions and live up to them. Be very intentional with your kids when they are in your home around living your life, modeling it for them, and then teaching them what you believe and why. It's also very important to keep the business of parenting between you and your ex-spouse. Don't make the kids your messengers or enlist them as your spies. Keep the lines of communication open with your ex as much as possible because things will come up. What you don't wanna do is put your children in the middle between you and your ex. Don't say something like, well, don't tell your dad this, or don't tell your mom this, or set your children up to ask the parent, the other parent for something and say something like, well, you know, I can't afford that tennis lesson, but the next time you go see your father, maybe you can say something to him and he'll pay for those tennis lessons. Keep your children out of the middle of things as much as possible.
because the child is already dealing with their own set of emotions about the breakup. They're already having challenges about being in two households. They should not have to carry the additional responsibility of communicating on your behalf. The impact of divorce might be most noticeable for children who are living at home. But we shouldn't forget that many times divorce is a shock for adult children as well. I think we sometimes think, well, they're adults, they're okay. They have their own life, their own career, their own path right now. They're out of the home. Somehow this is going to be okay for them. I don't think so. My older daughter, she was in the hospital. My second oldest daughter called me from the hospital. Mom, can you come down? Tiffany's here in the hospital. And I immediately got there. Doctor came in and they tried to pinpoint when was it that she was experiencing these stomach issues. And she said it started last December. Well, that was the month that the dad told them that he was leaving. She was oldest, but she was internalizing all of this and had ulcers and all types of things going on internally from the stress. Our identity is in many ways tied to who our parents are and the family name and the family narrative. And divorce changes all that. My son came to me 10 years after the fact and asked me very sincerely as he was getting ready to get married, Dad, tell me the truth. Did anything I do cause you and mom to separate and divorce? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I assured him on the spot, and I've assured him several times since then, that he had nothing to do with it. None of the kids had anything to do with it. If you have adult children, here are helpful guidelines for discussing your divorce with them. In discussing a divorce with adult children, there's some things to keep in mind. Do not make adult children choose a side. Don't make your adult children choose you or your spouse. Don't create a loyalty litmus test. My children did have adult relationships with their father when the separation and divorce occurred, so there were a lot of conflicts between the children and myself and my, my ex-husband. Um, but I went to them and I told them to work out their relationship with him. Do not make an adult child your confidant, your counselor, or your comforter. I like to think about sharing in terms of what's in their interest, what's in service to them. What details are going to have the effect of helping them cope, grow, recover, and heal. I didn't want to get in the middle of them with him, but I wanted them to know that I was an open door. I would listen to what they had to say, and I would pray with them, and I would be their support. Yes, you're hurting, but it's your job to help your adult children through the divorce, not vice versa. We have to choose not to make statements like, well, yeah, that's right, your dad's a sinner. No, that's still her dad. And you know what, honey, I'm sorry that happened in the home uh, this weekend. Uh, you know, it's not what we do here. Let's pray about it. Let's just pray about it. But it's not a, oh, Heavenly Father, my ex is such a horrible, disgusting pagan sinner. Uh, it's still dad. To see more helpful video clips from previous versions of Divorce Care, visit divorcecare.org forward slash my 
forward slash vintage. Another relationship that you might find challenging after divorce is the one you have with your former in-laws. If you have been close to them during your marriage, then it's worth exploring how you might continue to have some kind of relationship with them now. Staying connected with them, if at all possible, really is in the best interest of your children. I think grandparents and extended family members on both sides, your extended family, your parents, and your former spouse's parents and extended family can be emotional, psychological stabilizers. I met Kentrell's mom when I was in middle school, so I've known her for pretty much all my life. She understands that our marriage may not have worked, but that I still love her as part of Chauncey's life. His dad and I had a divorce. That didn't necessarily mean that he should sever his relationship with any of his family members. If your kids have good relationships with them and access to them, let that continue. Now that can create some awkwardness for you. You have to kind of renegotiate your relationship with your former in-laws. Like, what's that gonna look like? And how do you communicate? At the beginning, they really took sides. And it was against me. Why did you do this to our son, even though I wasn't the one who left? I remember just praying and saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. And I really felt like I should reach out to them. Continuing the relationship with my in-laws for the girls was invaluable. I reconnected with some of those family members and discovered that they didn't know what to say and they felt uncomfortable and they distanced themselves and they were actually waiting for me to reach out and say, how are you doing? I reconnected with a sister-in-law that I always really liked a great deal. She said, it's really great to hear from you. Why don't we talk? And we had a really nice chat and, and she said, it'd be really great if you could go up and see my son who was at the time returning from a military deployment. She said, I know he'd love to see you. Alan had the right idea. You shouldn't assume your former in-laws aren't interested in continuing a relationship just because of their silence. Talk to them about it. Don't just sit back and hope that it will work out. Have a proactive dialogue with them to define how you're going to continue this relationship moving forward. So what do you do? You talk about you, you talk about other things that maybe you have in common, but you don't try to talk about the marriage. You don't try to talk about what went wrong. You certainly don't point fingers or blame. I remember having a conversation with my mother-in-law saying, you know what, mom, you don't have to tell me everything. We're good. We can keep our relationship just between us. I still know that you know and, and, and you love and you uh, cherish your son, and that's great. And I'm, I'm glad, and I want you to keep that up. But we don't have to talk about that when we're here. We're gonna talk about the kids and how your life is going and how my life is going. Not only are family members affected by your separation or divorce, so are your friends. And their confusion or discomfort around you might be every bit as intense as it is for family members. Our experts have some suggestions on how to relate to your friends after separation. It was interesting to me that some of the friends that just pulled back is almost like 
divorce was a disease that they could catch if they, if they stayed around us. Maintaining relationships that were in place when the marriage was intact and maintaining those after the divorce can be really tricky. It's hard to see friends suffering. It can be a downer and they don't know what to do when you're down. One dangerous thing is to assume that nothing's gonna change, you know, after a divorce. I know it will, but it doesn't have to be over completely. It's gonna morph into something new and maybe even something better after the divorce. But I think all that's predicated on how well we communicate. I would grab two of my friends to say, hey, I really value our friendship. I, I, I miss seeing you. And I know life's busy. I know divorce is crazy. I don't even know how to do this thing called divorce. And I'm sure you're confused. I was wondering if we could have a conversation about how do we do this friendship in this brand new context? Because divorce creates changes in your friendships, it's important to keep two cautions in mind as you move forward with those relationships. The first is be patient with them. Don't leave things unsaid. Uh, go ahead and be proactive, but also don't take offense and take things personally when people don't know how to act or they don't know what to say. If they know up front that they don't have to walk on eggshells around you and that you will attempt to share that with them, then that's very helpful. And if there's something little, like one man said he was upset when his friends talked negatively about his ex-wife, and he said, because I picked her, then his friends needed to hear that. The second caution to beware of is assuming you know what others are thinking. I thought my friends and family would say, oh, well, so sorry, we're so sorry that happened and, and would show me sympathy. And they did to a certain extent, but I also got a lot of silence from some people like they didn't know what to say, which made me think, well, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that, well, we can see why she left you one thing that you need to be careful with is what we counselors call mind reading that you believe you know what they are thinking that's why they are not coming towards you or spending time with you mind reading is not helpful because you really don't know what they are thinking you are just making an assumption and then you start feeling uh, sad because you think your friends don't like you anymore with my Former in-laws, I just assumed that, you know, they, they had turned against me. And this is without any other intel. This is just my own crazy brain telling me stuff. So then I, I reached out to my father-in-law and he's cutting me off and say, look, son, you're still my son, no matter what, no matter what happens between you two. Sometimes you might find that your friends are not helping with your transition to the single life. In these cases, you might need to develop appropriate new friendships with other people. Ecclesiastes 4.10 reminds us the importance of having a community around us. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. And then Proverbs also reminds us of, about the importance of distancing ourselves from those who tear us down. Divorce kind of helps you understand who your real friends are and whom you really don't need in your life anymore. I was really distracted with work 
and with well-intentioned but misguided friends who steered me into, you know, let's meet up for a drink or two or three. And we were out at the bars four, five, six nights a week. And that really consumed my life for a good number of months. My life was still a mess. I was still lonely. Somewhere in the midst of all that, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's time for you to change. People I worked with who were Christians and who could bring some truth and light to my life, helped me make sense of a life that had really sort of come apart at the seams. And when I would see them, they'd say, why don't we have a time of prayer? Or, you know, what are you reading right now? They were extremely helpful. In the next session of Divorce Care, there must be an immediate adjustment in lifestyle and expenses. My father was a judge. He said that the hardest cases he dealt with were divorce and child custody cases. Biggest fear was just making sure that we were financially stable. <laughs> like, God, I can't do this. It just felt overwhelming. There's a lot of uncertain results. It can be very costly. I lost my job. I can't pay you this month, or I can only give you this much. I'm a single mom, and I have no way to pay for groceries. Looking for more helpful resources? Visit My Divorce Care to find bonus videos, to access our free single and parenting self-study course, to receive daily encouraging emails, and much, much more. Visit divorcecare.org forward slash my. That's divorcecare.org forward slash my. Could you use some more insight on how to navigate your relationships? Complete this week's On My Own exercises for help with how to know what to say and when to say it. Your participant guide includes helpful exercises to create a healthy perspective as you move forward on your journey. Thank you for coming to this divorce care session. We trust you received some real tools for adjusting to the changes that divorce inevitably brings to your relationships. Please look at the articles and exercises for this week's topic in your participant guide. They will give you more guidance in navigating the many changes in your relationships after separation or divorce. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Okay. <clears throat> there you have it. In case, there's a couple of things in case you missed it. In case I fast forwarded too quickly when we went from <coughs> online to the DVD, but <clears throat> One of those was, um, so relating to your ex-spouse, that was the beginning. Detach emotionally. Um, you'll seek out different activities. In other words, find ways that you can grow. And then um, it went into co-parenting, so I think you had seen some of that. And then it was separate personal and parental issues, which takes a lot of self-discipline. So in other words, from here forward, I want to treat my former spouse the way that, that, that you know, I would like to be treated. And you honor commitments, you honor timelines, things of that nature. And then the other one I think you missed was uh, allow time for both parents. So if it's safe to do so, you want to be an advocate for um, your child to have, or children to have time with the other parent as well. And then keep the peace in front of children. Crucial for kids healing over our health. There was a powerful testimony. I don't think you saw it, but maybe you did. Of adult, an adult child saying this quote, I always appreciate that my dad does not disparage my mom. And so um, 
And then you got into, you saw the part about keeping routines consistent if possible, but that's the number one factor. <clears throat> number one factor uh, in, in the health of children is how one parent speaks about the other parent. I did a lot of research, and um, that's, a, that's a powerful, powerful uh, reality that comes out. Go ahead. Well, we were still separated before the divorce. My two middle kids who were both in Andrews, they caught their mom lying to them. And so they were like all falling apart, yeah. ready to cry. And I just, I had to stop them. And even though I'm angry at her, I said, you know what the fifth commandment says? Honor thy father and the mother. There's no or, there's no if. Is it part of our problems? Because we didn't respect our parents either, you know? Sure. That's part of where our problem was. Sure. I said, you got to respect mom and dad. Yeah. Don't pick. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you did that. And, and, it, and it doesn't mean that we can't go to a parent and say, you know, Matthew 18. Do Matthew 18 with your parent if they, if they have lied. You know, like try to um, address that and, and all those kind of things. But good for you to still be an advocate for, for, for her as well as you. That's brilliant. Well, it's 4.30, so I want to respect. We can dialogue if you want to stay after about that, but I want to respect time as well. Hopefully, you got a great idea as far as these tools, divorce care, choosing wisely before you divorce. Again, divorcecare.org and beforeyoudivorce.org. And um, yeah, it's been a blessing to walk with you these days. So let me close in prayer, okay? So Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've had. Um, <clears throat> I'm grateful for you know, those who have gone through separation or divorce, just the blessing that these um, days have been for them to just experience some powerful, powerful tool, this powerful tool, some truths from your word. And for, for these friends who have come and have a heart to see maybe their local churches consider having divorce care and uh, if nothing else, just participating with our 49712 zip code group. Um, all these things we just say, have your way. These are just tools to try to help people follow you more wholeheartedly, maybe come to know you if they don't know you already. And uh, help connect us even, uh, them in, even into a church if they're not already connected. And so we love you. Thank you for this time we've had. And this camp meeting um, is coming to a close. It's today, tomorrow. We look forward to Sabbath. We look forward to the blessing that will come. And um, give you the glory for all the blessings we've had so far. And so thank you, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.